Welcome to the Business Herald podcast. The Business Herald is a weekly roundup of all of the top UK business news stories by email, social media, and this podcast. The podcast will feature some of the week's main stories, and we'll be joined by various business people on each episode to discuss the week's news and how it might impact a smaller business like yours. And hopefully we'll have some fun on a Friday too. I'm your host, Stephen Mather. I'm a lawyer for SMEs, and I help business owners sleep better at night by sorting their legal problems out. Thanks for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of The Business Herald. Welcome along to episode 23 of the Business Herald podcast. This week, I'm joined by two guests, Jess Shales of The Ideal Marketing Company and Ben Blythe of Rippled, an online mortgage broker. Jess is the MD of The Ideal Marketing Company, a full-service marketing agency which offers digital marketing services as well as PR, direct mail, copywriting, and design. She has specialized in digital marketing for over 10 years, and in that time has watched it evolve from an experimental marketing option to an essential tool for the majority of businesses. Ben is the head of mortgages at Rippled, a completely fee-free online mortgage broker for all kinds of property finance. He has spent his career in the building society sector and now works with estate agents to allow their buyers easy access and fee-free mortgage services. Ben's interests include sport, business and technology, as well as the housing market and personal finance. If you've not subscribed to the Business Herald free weekly newsletter, then do so as it contains all of the week's business news and economy news. This week saw a number of interesting stories, but I'd like to start with Ryanair's jab and go advert being banned by the Advertising Standards Agency. They said that it was misleading as the reality is that even with the vaccines coming, as the advert said, it was unlikely that any group would be able to go on holiday in the short to medium term without restrictions in place. Ryanair said it was a truthful and accurate advert. It argued that Boris Johnson himself said at Christmas um, that it was with said that with the vaccines coming, we could all look forward to a more normal Easter. So, Jess, I'm going to come to you first, if that's OK, as, a, as our expert on marketing. What are, what are your thoughts on this? Is it just Ryanair being Ryanair? Should the ad have been withdrawn? Was it irresponsible? What, what do you think? I, I do think it's irresponsible. Um, it's playing on. I think emotions that are riding quite high and I do think that it will um, or it could and bounce back on them or, or um, you know reflect badly in the future damage their brand of course as you say Ryanair being Ryanair I'm not sure that people have the highest expectations if you think their position in the market is very much based on on price it is a race to the bottom what's interesting is I think that uh, if we think about the market position um they are still very much competing on price. Whereas at the moment, I think the feelings that people are going to have around travel moving forward is going to be more about feeling confident that if if things are cancelled, that they can get a refund, that they're covered. Those things are probably going to become increasingly important. I suppose if you're only spending £20 on a flight, then you can afford for it to be cancelled and, and maybe and not get a refund. So maybe that's the, the consideration. But um, I think the messaging is a really interesting probably quite poorly um, thought through message at this time. It's like, feel the room, guys, you know. Yeah, and, and, and in actual fact, it was one of the most complained adverts of, of 2020. Um, and, and perhaps that was because it was it was done at Christmas where everybody, you know, more people are watching TV and we're all locked in and we can't see a family and we can't, you know, go out and we can't do this and we can't do that. And Ryanair are kind of, 
rubbing it in our faces and saying, you know, book, book your holidays when the reality of it is, you know, we, we can't. Um, one of the one of the comments that I thought was was true and um, and it's it, touching upon what you said uh, there, Jess, which is usually bad marketing and bad advertising. One of the consequences to that is a damage to reputation, damage to your brand. And that's something that, you know, most people want to avoid. Um, and one of the comments that I had on social media was it, it hasn't damaged my um, my view of Ryanair anyway, because it was so low that I wouldn't book them if that was the only alternative that I possibly had, because my experiences with them has been so bad in the past. Um, so it, maybe, maybe Ryanair being Ryanair, and we know what their advertising has been like over the years, maybe they... They continue to play on that. We don't really care if we upset people because actually we know that some people are just going to use us anyway because we're the cheapest and um, and we're going to get you there. Ben, what do you think? Do you think it was um, was a responsible advert? Was it should have been withdrawn? Uh, yeah, I do. I, I saw your post on LinkedIn, um, and, and as I said at the time, I don't think it's for Ryanair to decide when it's right for people to go. Mm-hmm. Um, I've watched the advert, and um, they specifically call out three or four different countries. Um, and I don't think that um, Ryanair will be involved in their vaccination programs and, and be the ones to say when it's right to start flooding people into those countries. Uh, and so I think there's, you know, there's, there is a high level of irresponsibility from the advert. And I do think it should have been withdrawn. I think that was the right thing. Mm, mm. Um, meanwhile, I saw um, uh, rest in peace, uh, Captain Sir Tom. Um, what's his name? Got his name. Yeah. Four. So now I'm of, doubting myself. <laughs> well, I did that bit up. My bl- my brain went absolutely blank. blank at that People point. refer to him as Captain Tom, though, don't they? I, I don't Captain Tom. They, yeah, that's that's where I got. I got to that point and went, mm, "What's his surname?" Um, so um, yeah, talking about that. So uh, apparently, before uh, before Christmas, he was he was flown out. Um, and him and his family flown flown out by British Airways, completely free of charge, mm-hmm. to the Bahamas. I think it was um and uh and 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 obviously he's a national treasure absolutely and i'm not uh, not not disputing that fact but there seems to be um perhaps a little bit of uh hypocrisy um in the media generally on it and i don't i i, I don't know where i sit i feel a slightly uncomfortable criticizing you know someone that's now died and raised 35 million for you know people that are in the nhs um but at the same time it was technically a breach of the the rules as well um to fly out I think that's a new dynamic to society generally is where we are and and even within families and couples you now have this added dimension of how seriously people are taking sometimes the law um, and sometimes there's you know it's not illegal sometimes it's 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 completely legal um, thing that somebody's or a lot of the time it's legal it's just not the most responsible thing and we've got to decide and make decisions about where we sit as long as everything's legal um particularly when you're thinking about mental health um you know being able to support each other I think mental health is probably the main thing like we should be staying inside as much as possible but we also know that being outside getting fresh air and exercising is really important for physical and mental health so this, I feel like there's this added dynamic to everything that we're doing or dimension and that's settling and that's balancing and, and lifelong friends are probably having really big struggles and, and we're having struggles in businesses as well, where we all sit um, mm. and what we feel is acceptable. Yeah, yeah. We talk about, um, talking about responsibility there, actually one of the um, 
one of the re requirements in the, the CAP code, the advertising code that the uh, ASA enforce is uh, aimed at responsibility and, and the societal um, awareness of it. And perhaps Ryanair just didn't have that. Like you say, they didn't, didn't judge the room properly, didn't gauge it and just put out an advert that just was um, just wrong at the uh, wrong at the wrong time. Mm. And maybe at another time it would have been would have been more appropriate. But um, yeah, just, what is sorry? What is responsible yeah. at the moment? Yeah, and which is which is the problem, isn't it? And that that's like what you're saying. Actually, some people, um, you know, uh, are, are sticking to the rules. You know, quite rightly, you know, to to the letter of the law, as it were. Um, only go out once a day for their walk, and that's it. And you know, essential shopping. And then there's other people that, um, you know, are are, are yeah, less prescriptive, shall we say? Um, I, yeah, where that uh, where that's where that judges, I don't know. And also, I know someone I was talking to today who hasn't left the house in five weeks, um, and you know, that fire inspection where it's far more far stricter than is necessary, but that's where they feel comfortable. So there's that far end as well. Yeah, no, that's right. So. Um, Second, uh, second story that I wanted to talk about. Moving on was um, was this uh, two, uh, a combination of two stories. So um, first story said that there were no black leaders in the top three jobs of any FTSE 100 company, um, and then a second story said there's been no material increase in female CEOs in the last five years. Now I did a, a, a podcast special um, uh, last year, November time on, on diversity in the workplace. And if you've not heard that, it's, it's worth listening into and, and checking that out. Um, but, uh, but Ben, what, what do you think? Do, do you think um, no material increase in the last five years, do you think that's likely to change? Do you think that actually, um, you know, that the, the, there is now a movement towards being more inclusive and diverse in the workplace? Or do you think it's something that is, is so ingrained that it's going to take generations to get out? Um, I feel it's a bit of both. You know, I feel there is that, you know, there is that real ingrained um, element to it that it's going to take generations, which is, which is sad, really. Um, but I do think there's a lot of stuff going on which supports um, inclusion, I suppose, is the best word to look for to cover both stories. Um, I think if you look at the if you look at US politics, it was obviously a great thing for for the Obama administration initially, um, you know, for for black people to to get into these powerful positions. Um, obviously, both him and the first lady, uh, and then we had this blip with the Trump administration where you know the, quite the opposite. And then here we are again now, four years on, and you've got Kamala Harris in a position of power as the vice president in the UK. We've got someone like Priti Patel, you know, quite high up on the agenda regularly uh, on the television, certainly through the, the pandemic. But you've got that element of diversity. So I do think it will change. Um, and I do think it has to start right at the top like that. And that's why I was disappointed, I think, in the Trump administration taking a step backwards. Um, but it happens not just in, in politics, not just in business. I thought about this um, when it was a story, um, you know, that I saw this week. And even if you look at things like Premier League football, um, if I can compare it to that, you know, there's still a distinct lack of black managers in, in the game. Mm, where yeah. Many of the superstars are black players. Some of the best in, in the England team, for example, are, are black players. Um, and a lot of the, you know, you could you could argue that, OK, it's going to take time for those black superstars to to get to retirement and the point that they come on to then become managers. 
Um, but actually, if you look at it, you've, you've got the likes of Stephen Gerrard and Frank uh, Lampard, who, who played in an England team with a lot of other black players. And they've gone straight into high profile management positions uh, and the black players haven't. And I think, mm. you know, one that springs to mind um, who is, is trying and is quite vocal about how def- difficult it is for black managers is, is, um, is Sol Campbell, who was, you know, part of the teams that played with, you know, Stephen Gerrard and Frank Lampard. And so even in sport, which, you know, so many people can relate to, we still don't see the leadership roles being filled by, by the minority, if you like. Um, and it has to has to be happening. I think not just in business, not just in politics, but in sport. And it and it has to come through. And so I think that's disappointing that you know it, we can't inspire ourselves from from kind of any angle at the moment for for leadership roles and, and diversity. There is a lot going on. Um, you know, I've been through programs through my career, a master's degree most recently, where probably a 50-50 split on this on this new program was, uh, you know, female to male. Um, which was good because that was a, a plan which was in place to include um, sort of more female senior leaders in the building society sector. And so that was encouraging. Um, and one of um, one of my friends on, on the cohort went on to, okay, she left the sector, but she took a group diversity, well-being and inclusion leadership role elsewhere, stepping up from what was branch manager at the start of that programme. So it showed that it was working. Uh, and I think things like the um, the Women in Finance Charter as well in that sector really help. And so there is a lot going on, but I, I think attitudes are still a long way to go in terms of changing to, to get people into those senior roles. Jess, as a um, an MD of a company um, who is female, um, have, you, have you noticed... Uh, that you're treated differently in any way in your kind of dealings with people that are, you know, businesses that are maybe um, male orientated? I haven't. And I think that's largely down to the way I was brought up. And I think also, um, really, I, I feel like these statistics represent the systemic nature of um of the situation and that realistically I I go I still have always gone for the top roles and and push myself but I know that um I think Cheryl Sandberg I think it is from Facebook she was a Facebook COO or something like that and she um she's written quite a bit about um women yes there is a ceiling but also we have responsibility for turning up at the table putting our hand up as often as men do going for the jobs because we're more likely to not apply for a job until we feel absolutely 100% qualified whereas men on average they will do they'll be like well I could probably do it so there is but that comes down to how we were brought up how we're made to feel that being ambitious and going for what we want is not feminine um so there is I think as things are going to change it needs to start right from when when somebody's a child it needs to start in schools and unfortunately that doesn't mean it, it will probably take a while mm. before we see the knock-on on effect because people have to be given the opportunities and allowed to get into the right roles but they also have to feel like they deserve them and that they're allowed to go for it and that they have a right to go for these positions yeah one of the um one of the points that was raised on the podcast the the diversity podcast that um, that i talked about was this and and it would apply in sport as well as anything um ben is that um without you know let's take a black kid without a black kid seeing somebody 
of the you know same similar to you know him and or her background at those high levels being you know as a manager in a football club or, or a ceo of a you know big FTSE 100 company it's it's difficult for them to get that inspiration that that's achievable for them and and of course it is achievable for them because it's it's everything should or ought to be on merit um, and so everything is achievable but it's just the fact that well they don't have that um that inspiration to aim for um and actually making that stand and saying i'm going to do this because that's what that's what i'm going to do is is amazing but it takes real character mm. um, to, to be able to do that and without without that inspiration you kind of you feel like you're working on your own so it's um it's I, I I think it's a it's an interesting fascinating story um or fascinating um uh, subject to talk about um and something that I've I've really tried to learn a lot more about over the last few few years and, and really want to see and affect change as much as I can but I do feel and agree and I think my podcast um, the diversity special that we did agreed that it's a definitely going to be a generational thing but we're starting to see some changes. It's a shame we didn't see those changes, you know, 20 or 30 years ago, but it's, t- it, and it takes time to get out of the, the system, but uh, hopefully we'll get there. Um, right. Moving on one in 20, uh, one pound in every 20 pound in the UK is now spent on Amazon. Um, Amazon's produced another year of record turnover um, with uh, turnover being 19.1 billion pounds. Um, it continues, continues to have a significant impact on smaller businesses, um, obviously. But I also know lots of businesses that are doing really well from selling on Amazon. So, um, Jess, what, what are your thoughts on this? Is, is Amazon uh, a, a big beast to be scared of? Or is it something that we should, uh, you know, um, use more? What's your <laughs> I, I hate this statistic and yet I use Amazon all the time. I'm absolutely, I mean, I'm probably, it's probably two in every 20 of my pounds. Um, I, I think going back to the point about responsibility, it's, it's, it's a lot of the shops at the right now, as, as we're recording, we can't go into that. That's not an option. Uh, but even when we can, is the responsible thing to go into a shop or to order online uh, once you kind of wrap that, ravel that up in the environmental costs of delivery drivers and, um, you know, where things are sourced from, at very good point that um, there are local local or, or smaller businesses now using Amazon. I'm not sure whether they get squeezed quite heavily. So that's kind of another subject. I'm not sure whether... But they, they definitely do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so yeah. It's, it's, it's also kind of like people supplying in supermarkets where well, the volume's great, but the the profit is squeezed to the point where they, mm-hmm. they might go out of business by, by working with these big companies. Amazon is starting to remind me a bit of that big company in Wally. Wally, I don't know how to say, you know, that film where we all yeah. were, you know, in the future, um, where everybody uses it. So I, I think we, we're kind of stuck. I think a good alternative that I was reminded, um, that I remembered about is buy, buy, buy once, oh, what is it called? Called buy me buy me once or something like that and the point is that instead of getting cables and things like that that are, are kind of falling apart it's more responsible online uh, buying where everything is really good quality so a cable if you buy a cable from there instead it's something that will last forever instead of knowing that you're probably going to have to place it in a couple of years so I think there's a balance to be struck between this this giant who provides convenience cheap easy um, delivery services and and trying to support the local businesses and the independents as well. 
I've got to be for for transparency reasons. Um, I, I downloaded uh, middle of last year. I downloaded a budgeting app called Emma, um, and uh, just to kind of see where the hell my money was going. And um, and then it, it it basically uses the open banking system, downloads all your bank account information, and goes back to you know when it can. And um, anyway, it tells me that I'm the top. I, I'm in the top 0.1% of Amazon spenders. <laughs> Yay me! I won a prize. <laughs> not um, not something to be proud of, but um, yeah. I tell you what, though, making cardboard boxes there seems to be an enormous amount of that. Um, ben, what do you think? Is um, is is Amazon just going to get bigger and and bigger? I think it is. Um, I think the convenience factor is is the biggest of all. And um, you know, it was only yesterday I had my um, my groceries delivered from Morrison's via Amazon. Um, because we can do that now um, and, and they don't charge. Whereas if I choose another supermarket for, for delivery services, you know, Tesco, Sainsbury's, et cetera, there is a charge. But because I'm already subscribed to the Amazon ecosystem, that's, that's free delivery, if you like, and therefore a benefit to me. Um, I do think there are ways around it and there are ways that you can, um, you know, you can use Amazon where you are trying to do your bit. So um, a couple of examples, one of which is, is absolutely free, is to use smile.amazon.co.uk. And that way you can choose a charity that you wish to support. Um, just having a look at their website now, supposedly as of November last year, UK charities have received £5.7 million because people are signing up to use smile.amazon.co.uk, which is effectively... Um, the same website, but a proportion of what you spend goes to good causes. And I think that's, that's a really good way of using it. The other thing is, um, as has been said, there are small businesses selling on Amazon. And, and I try, if I'm looking for certain items, I'll try and see who is selling that. And if it's from Amazon and that's the only option, well, so be it. But in the summer, I bought a pair of golf shoes um, and I noticed that the seller was actually a small business i think based in the northwest somewhere i can't remember so what i did is i purposely had a look to see if they had a direct website they did and i bought from there at the same price they were advertising on amazon knowing full well that they wouldn't have to pay amazon mm. because amazon are big enough to cope without that transaction for me um and so you know i've tried to change my behaviors ever so slightly with using amazon to try and be a little bit more thoughtful um, rather than support the giant to, to give a little bit of support to the smaller guys where I can. And I yeah. think if we can, you know, talk about that between our, ourselves and obviously on this podcast and social media and whatnot, the more people that sign up, the more charities benefit and the more small businesses get that extra direct sale, which just helps them keep afloat. And, and I think it's the right thing to do is to talk about that. Mm. So, um, so a couple of <clears throat> couple of things there. One thing that frustrates me with the smile.amazon thing is it doesn't work through the app. And obviously, most people, I, I certainly am, I, I, I buy pretty much everything through the app um, because it's just on my phone and I go there and, and buy it. Um, and it seems to me that it should be really easy for Amazon to just assign my account to the charity that I've you know, do, um, uh, selected in, in, on Smile and then say all purchases that Stephen makes, whether through the app or not, there's a charitable donation. And, and at the moment, that the, the fact that they haven't done that seems to be to, a, a little bit irresponsible. Um, and I think, sorry, can, can you do that now? Yeah, on the iPhone app, um, oh. they've certainly allowed that because I noticed it in the last few weeks. Oh, okay. Uh, in settings, there is a section that you can yeah. you can set it, and, and the last couple of purchases I've made have have registered. So I think they've they've 
they've caught oh, on to your way of thinking and, and join, join the for that. That's good. I'm 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 pleased that they've um they've heard this and then time travelled back in the past. <laughs> and made it. Um, that's that's good of them. You change makers, um, Stephen. Yeah, exactly. Um, and the other point on on using small businesses. So um, this is just my knowledge of of, of Amazon. I had a, a a big dispute about um, selling on Amazon. Um, I went to the High Court and um, on the on the Amazon page for a product. Usually we just click this, 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 the same settings. It's like buy now and, you know, you go for add to basket and that's it. And they're the default settings. But just below the button that says, um, you know, add, add to basket, it will also say you can buy this from X number of sellers. And you click that link and then it tells you who else is selling the product, mm-hmm. what prices, et cetera. And that's where you can then identify the ones that are perhaps smaller businesses. And you can then choose to select them, and and some of them might be, you know, you might you might be paying fifty p more um, or a pound more or something like that, or it might not be on prime delivery, um, but that that seems to me to be a decent way of um, you know trying to support smaller businesses, which is yeah. um, which is what we're good. But I think if you're if you are a smaller business, I know I, I know um, a few clients that are trading on Amazon, um, and uh, one of them, you know, desperately trying to steer away from trading on Amazon and, and push business to their own, you know, personal website. But the, 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 the figures just are, are massive. It's like a quarter of a million pound turnover on Amazon compared to 15 on, um, on, on their own website. And so it's, it's really hard to, to, to do that and divert it. Jess, what do you think? I always, I always think of trading on Amazon or eBay as a marketing cost. And I think that's the best or most sensible way to, from a from business perspective, particularly a startup, to think about it. It's a route to market in order to build an audience that you then try and take ownership of that, that relationship with. So I used to run an e-commerce website selling hair products to redheads and makeup and stuff like that. And we used eBay as the route to market. Uh, when Whenever someone bought from our own website, the order value was three times. They, they usually bought multiple pro- products. Um, um, and it's trying to find a way without breaking the terms and conditions, um, because obviously eBay and Amazon don't like you taking clients that they, you know, that they've spent the marketing getting customers there. Um, but, you know, when you send out a parcel, you can put a thank you note and a, a coupon if they come back to your own website, maybe a little keyring or something like that. So, you know, I, I would always see trading on Amazon or, or eBay as a route to market and a marketing cost. Yeah, that's interesting as well, isn't it? About you know just just putting something else in the package to get people coming back to you, you know, personally. That's a that's a good one. Okay, so my my final question for this week is this: so um, a report came out said that thirty six percent of adults are now exclusively working from home. We talked about working from home on this podcast quite a bit, um, but they're working on average twenty five percent longer hours. Meanwhile, this week's been Children's Mental Health Week, um, and on Tuesday was Time to Talk Day, and two, two matters that I'm, I'm really passionate about, uh, mental health and well-being, um, and, and obviously it's really important. So my, um, my, questions, or my question to you guys is, what are your top tips for improving mental well-being while we're all working from home? Let's go to Ben first. I think... Um, one thing I learned last year, um, because the sudden working from home culture was came upon us very quickly, is just not to feel guilty for taking a break. We've all been conditioned to the nine to five culture. Most of us tend to work in in, in the UK, certainly in the services sectors. 
and the strict kind of 12 to a one or one till two lunch hour that you get given. And so it feels a bit alien to take a walk at 3 p.m. or maybe turn the laptop on at half nine rather than nine o'clock, whatever that might be. Um, and one leader for, for my, one of my previous employers um, emphasized on a weekly call with all staff that actually he himself had taken a step back and gone for a run during the day when in the office he would, he would and should have been working. And that resonated with me and I think resonated with a lot of colleagues to say, actually, if a senior leader is saying it's okay to go for a run at 3 p.m., then it's probably okay for me. And I think leaders of teams have a responsibility to ensure people are um, you know, aware that they're entitled to do that and, yeah. and you shouldn't feel guilty for taking a break. It's something that we've been so conditioned into doing differently. Um, that, and I think the other top tip I would suggest is, you know, we, we touched upon it at the beginning of the call, Stephen, when you said you had a couple of screens, I think is to kit out your desk the best you can um, to, to make it comfortable. Um, you know, a lot of people at the beginning of last year were sent home with a laptop and expected to have somewhere to work. And when you consider the workstation assessments from a health and safety perspective that go on in offices, uh, you know, they're compulsory every year. Nobody's, nobody's had that done at home, really. Um, and so to suddenly sit on the, I don't know, a breakfast bar or a smaller table on the laptop and stooped over where it might be hurting your posture or, or, or you're straining your eyes, etc. I think to kit the desk out the best you can, if you know you're going to be spending a, a bit more time there. Yeah. And I think flip on the head and be the responsibility of the employer as well. I think new ideas are needed from the employer to some people working from home if it is going to be a longer term thing. And I think they would be my, my two best tips. I, um, I, I certainly when I was setting up business, I saw um, an amazing desk and I think it was uh, like a space desk or something like that. And it was, you know, air function and you can, you know, sit there, but you can tilt it back and you can lean the screen back. So you're almost kind of laying down and you can tilt. And it looked absolutely amazing. It was something that you'd imagine in NASA. Um, uh, yeah, but the boss said uh, that was completely inappropriate and um, that I should actually do some work instead of laying down. So thanks for that, way. Um, Jess, what do you think? What are your what are your top tips uh, for mental health and well-being? Well, it's very much do as I say and not as I do um, at the moment, which is why um, I grimaced really when the <laughs> question because I I know what I should be doing. Um, but we have just made the move to become permanently um, remote working. So we've been been working remotely since March last year, but it worked really well for us. Um, but as like so trying to be a responsible em employer um, an important part of that has been making the making sure that the kit was available that the right setup was available as much as as much as it's possible like you can't go into someone's home and muck about with it so providing the support um, as much as this is possible um, and I, I won't be surprised if in future legislations around that kind of change for me the most important thing is getting out for fresh air once a day um, and I agree with what you're saying Ben that that kind of flexible working if, if there's going to be one if there's going to be a benefit to us working from home on mass it should be do you know i'm not doing my best work right now i'm tired now or do, or i can i can go and see my sister or i can go and do this thing and be, be with a person right now and it just happens to be at 11 o'clock rather than my normal lunch hour you know what's the problem if you if you do your work for some people they'll have a bike ride for a couple of hours and maybe work a little bit later as long as the work is done I would rather if somebody work for one hour and be productive than two hours because they don't feel like it's appropriate and not be productive because they don't feel it's appropriate to go and have a nap if that's what's needed. You know, it, I, I think we the bums on seats mentality is 
a product of the industrial revolution that has continued for way longer than is appropriate and actually when you look at productivity reports from other countries in Europe who have a much shorter working day they achieve far more without having this 7.5 or 8 hour working day it, it's not necessarily necessary to have that long a day in order to do good quality um, work and I think with us working remotely we'll see more of that because we might see people like well actually I've managed to achieve everything that you wanted me to to a higher quality but by maybe working later in the day if that's your natural rhythm and one of the conversations you, you were asking about females in the workplace earlier and I think one of the things that I see women in business talking about quite frequently is following our own or being more aware of our own energy levels because they can be quite different and fluctuate more than the men's do naturally and this also might give us not this working from home flexibility might also give women an opportunity to do better work because we can tune into where we're at and whether we we are doing good work right now and whether we're better off just leaving it and coming back to it later and uh, kind of doing work that way mm-hmm. i feel like i'm not i'm not sure i've actually answered your question about top tips i think i've gone off on one i think energy. i think we worked <laughs> we, we worked out why it's because you uh, you're not doing what you know you should do yes <laughs> <laughs> that's that's why you're not answering. um you know you should kind of uh, sp- spend a bit more time out of the business and do some things that are a bit more fun and you know spend yeah. time on yourself and, and and do that kind of thing one of the things i find really interesting about the whole working from home um scenario is this that, that the whole idea of a nine to five and a five day working week was invented by henry ford um and the reason why he invented it um, there was a change from um, uh, from being six days a week and, and, and effectively 12 hour days um, and reduced that down was because he realized that um, if people were just constantly working and working, working, they had nothing to aspire to, nothing to aim for, and therefore no one would buy his cars. And so actually giving people that opportunity to have some free time to be able to go and do something it meant that actually they were they were then spending in the in the economy that would improve the economy and get better, um, and and I think actually that's that's almost the, the the stage that we've hit now. Kind of you know as you talked about post industrial revolution, the the information age that we're in, um, and, and moving towards whatever the new the next one is, where people are so um, so fatigued and tired by working and you know and being on a screen all day that perhaps they're not then doing the, the other stuff that they should be doing um, or, or would be good for the economy, like going out and spending and, you know, doing, um, you know, playing sports, doing hobbies and that kind of thing, because they're all actually shattered. So the two, two things become intertwined at that point, which is one, it's great for the economy for people to go out and spend and have hobbies and, and do things that, you know, of their own me time. But it's also really, really important for the individual and their mental health and well-being that they do that as well. So, again, going back to you know being in a leadership role, I think it's absolutely essential that you have people like um, like Ben uh, Ben's previous guy uh, or woman, whoever it was, the boss, saying, "This is what I'm doing. I'm I'm okay with going for a run at three o'clock." And if you want to do that, then that's fine as well, as long as you're still doing all your work and we can, you know, no doubt track and do all of that. But it's important that people have given that flexibility because I think like there's nothing worse. And, and, and you guys will probably you know, know this. There's nothing worse being an employee 
and taking a day off to do life admin. Like that is, that is soul destroying. Absolutely is. But everybody does it. And it's, you know, it's probably something that people take, you know, one or two or three days a holiday a year just to do their admin that they don't get around to doing in the normal day, which is unbelievable, really. Mm. Um, and, and that to me shows that actually businesses should be looking at working more flexibly, allowing people to work from home, leading from the top and saying, do you know what, it's okay if you don't start at nine o'clock. Um, if, you, if, if you want to, if you want to start at five o'clock, that's okay. Um, you know, as long as the work's kind of done and we'll monitor that, but it's more important is your mental health and well-being. Um, that's, that's, that's for me, something that I, you know, really passionately believe in. I think, and we've we'll probably already touched on this, I feel like this is the opportunity of this shift. So if we are going to take an opportunity from this, this whole shift, it is saying, actually, this whole nine to five thing is, is out of date. Um, and I'd like to see that changing. Um, but that statistic that you said about people are working longer, working from home, is the opposite to what I would or what I would have expected. Yeah. So maybe are we really saying the message needs to be clearer um, that we that we do trust you that to be doing a good job. You know, for for leaders to be saying we we trust you to be doing the work. At I home. I, yeah, I think I think that um, that, that that working longer is because it's just easier. Um, we're, you know, we're used to doing a commute and might be doing 45 minutes an hour in the morning, same on the way back. We have that kind of free time. And so people are going, well, I might as well start now. Mm-hmm. And then when, instead of getting to five, half five and going, okay, right, well, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to go because I don't want to get too much stuck in traffic. They're like, well, I'll just carry on working. Let me just finish this one job. And then it ends up being six, six thirty, seven o'clock. And they're like, well, I'll finish now and, and do some work. So Actually, there's two things there, and that's one is the self-discipline to be able to go. Do you know what? Actually, I've done I've done enough work today, and it's really important that I take some me time. And then the business business side of things of actually, you know, monitoring overworking as much as underworking, which businesses don't do, because what we do is we reward people that have you know have worked really hard, and we kind of go, you did really well, you've hit target, you smashed it, fantastic. You know, here's a little treat, and actually. We should be saying you work. You're working too hard. Like don't don't carry on doing that. I want you to stop. And the classic mm-hmm. example of that, and and it and it kind of goes against um, it goes against I think the, the British culture. But in France, for instance, and I think Germany adopted the same thing. That they, they went well. No, the working time regulations say you can only work this many hours, and so we're going to stop literally stop access to our systems at this point in time. So you can't do the work. Yeah. And, and and that is that is I think really forward thinking, mm. difficult difficult for most Brits to, uh, to 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 take I think because we're like well I want to work when I want to work. Mm. Ben, what were you going to say? Well, it's very similar to you. You know, it's very difficult to um, to control yourself if you're not being kicked out of an office or, like you say, you haven't got the traffic to avoid on your way home. Um, and you know, suddenly for a lot of people, what used to be um, the hub of the house, which was the kitchen where you, you know, be with your family and, and have dinner is, is now an office as well. And it's very hard to start differentiating the two. Um, but just on the point you made there about, uh, you know, Germany and France imposing those restrictions, it's a bit like the, um, the tacky rack for a, a lorry driver. You know, if you get to a certain point, you have to stop and you have to yeah. rest. Yeah. Um, and I think in some industries that's going to work, but you're quite right. You know, for, for the professional services that, you know, for example, the three of us are, are involved in, it's something that you can tune in and out of, you know, at any point of time. And so if suddenly at eight o'clock in the evening, I feel I need to spend half an hour doing something, 
if my access to a system is, is revoked, then it, it, it makes working a bit more difficult. And I find that might work the other way. So it's, I think it, it could be industry specific to see that actually being effective in the UK. And of course, for some people, um, that might cause them some stress. The fact that, you know, something pops into their mind and they go, oh, do you know what, I'm, I'm going to sort that out now. Oh, I can't because I've got no access. And that, that might actually cause some some undue stress on that individual as well. So, yeah, a difficult um, a difficult one. But I think the overriding um, uh, children's mental health. Um, uh, my my daughter did a little video this week. Um, their slogan, their motto for this week is or this year is express yourself. Um, and that's I thought it was a really nice one for kids, but it's so important as well for adults. Um, to be able to take time out to do something that you enjoy, to do something expressive, creative. Um, even if you're in a creative industry, when it's work, it's not it's not natural creative. It's not that kind of the same creative uh, creativity as you sitting down and and doing some you know coloring or um, I don't know playing a musical instrument or doing some sport or doing some baking or, or whatever you you know you like and ticks your boxes. Whatever you can do to express yourself, I think is the um, is the, the 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 main one um great so um was there anything else that uh, that you guys saw that was of interest that you thought um that you'd like to discuss ben is there anything that you saw i saw the um the zoom chaos um where was it the uh, handforth parish council zoom chaos so i'd just like to to thank you for keeping this particular meeting in control Stephen. <laughs> this is this is the um this is the one that the the, the council um zoom call meeting that's gone viral um one of the the, the chairwoman or something like that um uh, went a bit power mad there was an, a bit of an argument she banned you know, kicked one person out and then and then there was just a shouting and slanging match it's only the chairman who can remove people from a meeting you have no authority here jackie weaver no authority at all She's just kicked him out. No, she's kicked him out. Don't, don't. She's kicked him out. Don't. This is a meeting called by two councillors. Illegally. They now elect a chairman. No, they can't because the vice chair's here. I take charge. Read the standing orders. Read them and understand them. I will wrap up. So, uh, so Jess, Ben, thank you very much for, uh, for coming on this week's show. I really appreciate it. And, um, and for the listeners out there um, today, thank you very much for tuning in. Thank you for downloading the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, if you did, please leave a review on your podcast subscription website. Do subscribe. And if you'd like the email again, visit www.businessherald.co.uk. Both the email and the podcast is released every Friday around three o'clock in the afternoon. And until next week, thank you very much for listening. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye. The masked singer is on this week, like the, the like semi-finals. Have you got it? Anyone else addicted to that? I, no? I, I yeah, we 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 watch it. It means I have to avoid social media <laughs> because <laughs> there's just spoilers, and it's the most. It's the it's it's really honestly, it's a rubbish program. Um, it, it, but it's but it's a good program, isn't it? And it's kind of I'm getting wound up by someone doing a spoiler for Animal. Well, that's it. It's ruined it now. Absolutely ruined it. Well,